Welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolley. This week, an opportunity to hear again the Radio Awards Best Documentary for 2019, an investigation by Insight's Teresa Cowie into the strain methamphetamine is placing on New Zealand's prisons. From the millions spent to house prisoners that have been using and selling methamphetamine, to rehab, to the dentistry bills to treat addicts with painful, decaying teeth, the meth trade affects every aspect of New Zealand's prison system. Research done by the Department of Corrections suggests that more than half of prisoners have used methamphetamine in the lead-up to entering prison. Rehab services who work for the prison say the highly destructive substance has recently overtaken alcohol as the number one drug of choice. Teresa Cowie went inside some of New Zealand's prisons to find out more. And just a note, some names have been changed to protect people's identity. I'm heading inside Parimorimo, Mount Eden and Auckland Women's to find out what meth is doing to our overstretched prison service. The prisoners I spoke with came from very different backgrounds, but they can all trace their careers and crime back to one thing, that first puff of meth. For this prisoner, Anna, the sudden suicide of her father when she was 15 sparked a rebellious phase of teenage partying that got out of control. I think I had a really good upbringing. I went to a really nice school. Um, a lot of my friends who I'm still in touch with at school, I just, you know, like it's just worlds apart from where I kind of ended up. I started using um, lighter drugs, um, ecstasy and weed and stuff when I was in um, high school and it I tried, actually tried meth without knowing that's what it was. I started using them when I was 17. And I found out my mum was dying of cancer and was off work with broken ligaments in my knee. So, yeah, spare time and sort of denying that you know, I was going to lose my mum. Yeah. So I had a good life up until I was around nine. And uh, that's when my father got into meth and uh, everything went downhill from there and he started changing into a different person, started abusing my old lady. And, uh, I had my first puff of meth when I was about nine, ten. And um, I snuck into the room and I knew how everybody used it, so I thought I'd have a turn. And, and yeah, that was my first taste of that. These three prisoners are all aged in their 30s. Their teens and twenties are a blur of drugs, convictions and the chaos they've brought down on their victims, their families and themselves. There are currently 674 people in prison for offences that relate directly to methamphetamine. Crimes like importing, dealing, cooking or possession. But the Department of Corrections says those crimes are just scratching the surface of meth-related crime that's landing people in prison. Its recent research shows that 56% of prisoners had used methamphetamine before going inside. 70% of those meth users were actually doing time for burglary, which corrections research says suggests the prisoners may have been either under the influence of meth or they did the burglary so they could buy more. Mike, a prisoner at Parimorimo, says he first tried meth the day he got out of prison for his first burglary sentence. And meth has been the reason for every one of his offences since. I was falling asleep at my, um, my welcome home party, pretty much. And then um, my cousin's boyfriend come up in front of me with um, 
of like a pipe. I didn't even know how to smoke it. So he told me to smoke it like an oil spot. And that's what I did, and then I fell in love with it straight away. And what was that first hit like? Tell me about it. Well, it woke me up. It woke me up, made me feel good. When was the next time you had some more? Well, a couple of hours after. And just pretty much went on a binge. For how long, would you say? Well, about maybe like three months. And then I ended up in jail three months later for um, crimes to get meth. Mm-hmm. And what sort of crime are you talking about? Well, I ended up in jail for burglaries back then, but I've been doing home invasions, aggravated robberies, a couple of kidnappings, pretty much everything except for murder and rape, I've done it. Correction says it doesn't hold specific information on how much methamphetamine has contributed to other crime, but it's understood a lot of domestic violence, assaults and armed robberies lead back to the meth trade and meth use. And with a record number of people inside, nearly 11,000 and growing, New Zealand's prisons are bursting at the seams. Corrections Chief Custodial Officer Neil Beale says while there are a few factors at play, it's likely that widespread and increasing meth use is contributing to the sharp rise in prisoner numbers in the past few years. I don't think any particular study has been done in recent times as to how much of that 25% growth that we've seen in the last three years is directly attributed to meth. But, you know, we've got a lot of people coming in with violence. We know that we've got a lot of people coming in with AOD issues. So I don't think it would be too short a line to draw to say that, yes, you know, meth is having an impact. Methamphetamine sentences are on average for four years and nine months, and the Department of Corrections says it costs more than half a million dollars to house each prisoner for the duration of their sentence. So for the current cohort of meth producers, sellers and importers in prison, it's costing taxpayers $353 million just to keep them there. But how much is drug rehabilitation, violence on staff, policing contraband and even dentist bills from meth mouth eating into prison resources? Currently we set up for dinner. In the kitchens at Auckland Women's Prison, inmates are cleaning out massive industrial cooking pots and mopping the floors after a long day of preparing meals for staff and prisoners. We've got a muster of 460 on site. We're feeding roughly today 430 out from the kitchen and we've got around 110 diets. A large whiteboard hanging on the wall shows the various special meals that have to be made up. The usual vegetarian, gluten-free, dairy-free and even safe diets for pregnant women are written up with prisoner names beside them in black marker pen. But there's one column that stands out soft chew. It's a special diet for people whose meth addiction has become so bad that it's caused their teeth to rot and break off, making it too painful to chew food. Currently we've got one, two, three, four, five people on the soft soft or no-chew diet, which means they'll get a pureed meal. They'll also get a puree for dinner, a fruit puree, so they can have that as a thing and a supplement drink, supplement Milo. So that aids their diet and making sure that they're getting all their nutritional needs. The most recently reported figures show that the overall cost of prison dentistry is about a million dollars a year. How much of that can be traced back to methamphetamine abuse is uncertain. 
but a prison dentist at Mount Eden in Paremoremo, Linda Ripley, says she's seeing a lot more patients with what's known as meth mouth. Can we just take a seat here, please? Get yourself comfortable, OK? You want to sit yourself back? Today she's on site taking a clinic at Mount Eden. Because this is a remand prison, we have a throughput more than probably Paremoremo would have. I would see, definitely see more people now who are using P that come in, but they're only here for a short period of time. Um, I take a lot of teeth out, mainly because I cannot do anything else with them, um, and in quite young guys as well, and quite often if you ask if they've used drugs, they've got maybe six or seven teeth. They walk in here and they need extracting. So, yes, it's, it is increasing all the time. Percentage-wise... It would be difficult to say because I probably don't keep figures like that, but um, I'm definitely taking more teeth out now than I was maybe five, six years ago. At this Mount Eden prison clinic, Linda Ripley is working on the teeth of Simon, who's been using meth on and off for about 15 years. Basically what P does is reduce the saliva flow. Also, coming down off a P trip, you tend to find, and you, you can verify this, you clench your teeth and grind, yeah. Yeah, um, though, although you're not aware of it at the time, but that obviously you've, you've got weakened teeth, you're clenching your teeth, grinding your teeth. The reduced saliva flow dries the mouth, and we've had this chat before, didn't we, about tend to want sweet drinks yeah. and lollies to try and stimulate the saliva flow. Cigarettes. And cigarettes, anything that's going to try and increase the saliva flow. Unfortunately, it doesn't work terribly well. So you've got the perfect paradise, really, for, for the bugs to break down the teeth. You tend to get um, cavities at where the gum and the teeth join, which weakens them. And obviously when you're grinding and gr- um, gnashing your teeth when, as well, they tend to break. You break off the crowns and the teeth just, just keep breaking down. For Simon, meth use has been both the cause of his dental problems and a way to relieve them. Like when I was using it, it like burns your recipitors, so it stops the pain itself. You know, like it's it's what's caused the pain, but it's what helps the pain as well. It mm-hmm. stops the pain, so it's just a never-ending cycle, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you have you used pee to actually stop yeah. the pain? Yeah, yeah. Fall asleep with a pipe in your hand because of pain. Simon's about to be released and is moving to another part of the country. He's going to go straight get a job and save for a house. He's planning to get all his teeth removed and get dentures so he can be presentable and pain-free when he's looking for work. And he's in the lucky position of being able to pay for it. My grandmother never liked it and she, she put aside money for it but I just refused to get them done until I had given up. I knew that it, you know, I would just wreck them or... I wouldn't even end up going to the dentist, end up spending it on drugs or something. So she's passed away now, but yeah, the money's there to get my teeth fixed. So yeah, it's a big thing. I'll be first on the list just about when I get out. Prison dentist Linda Ripley says the kind of care patients with meth mouth can get in prison is limited to mostly extractions and pain relief. But even so, she doesn't believe expensive cosmetic dentistry should be funded for prisoners with meth mouth because, she says, there's no guarantee they won't start using again. 
As well as physical health, meth also puts a strain on prisoners' mental and emotional health, making them more prone to depression, self-harm and violent attacks. Potent in small quantities, easy to conceal and in demand, meth is a highly prized currency in prison and it causes violence among inmates and towards staff. Officers now wear on-body cameras and can carry pepper spray to protect themselves. This prison officer told me when offenders who are under the influence of meth get violent, it's like trying to hold back someone with what he describes as superhuman powers of strength. In the past when we have had to um, restrain them, uh, a prisoner that has been using methamphetamine or is on methamphetamine at that time, they tend to be um, very strong. And uh, what I notice is that they have, um, they have stiff necks for some reason and they don't feel pain. No matter what they do, they, they have huge pain tolerance they have no um, consequential thinking. That's all, all gone. This former prison officer says meth-induced violence on staff was frequent where he worked. When I was an officer, you would see prisoners coming from the ports and they were regularly strung out. They would be arrested by the police, get processed through the ports, come straight through to the prison, and then you'd, you'd be dealing with them face-to-face in a, in a prison cell. And they would be highly violent, and you would get those daily... This inmate, Dean, agrees he was totally out of control when he was on it. I think with meth, you lose your morals, you lose your values, you lose your ethics, everything goes out the window, you pretty much... Feelings, there's no feelings. Um, your heart turns cold, you know, pretty much, and you feel nothing. Officers at remand prisons are at the sharper end of dealing with the fallout from methamphetamine. At the country's largest remand prison, Mount Eden, where men in the Auckland region are housed while they await a hearing, trial or to be sentenced, there's a much higher turnover of offenders than in other prisons and more opportunities to get meth in. I think it permeates everything that we we do, whether it's related to the offending and is the reason that they're here or even the fact that it might be family members or, or associates that have it. It goes into every part of the business that we're operating here. Karen Gillies is the assistant prison director at Mount Eden and says a lot of the central Auckland prison's time and resources go toward dealing with the harm caused by meth. While meth can and does make it inside other prisons, it's places like Mount Eden where someone's more likely to arrive fresh from committing a crime and still under the influence. Just off the streets, raw, confused and stressed about being in prison, users can be violent if they're still high. But this Mount Eden prison officer says once offenders start coming down, they tend to sleep, sometimes for days. And they need close monitoring by staff to keep them safe. I work in the um, at-risk unit where when they come in, the risk assessment or initial assessment's been completed and and, and if they are at risk of self-harm, or any signs of risk to themselves. Staff go around every quarter, half an hour, hour and, and keep observations on them. Um, a lot of the time they withdraw, they just sleep. At times they're not eating, so we just maintained food and fluid charts on them just to make sure they're OK. Um, once they sleep it off, then we've got a different person standing in front of us. 
At Mount Eden, Karen Gillies says finding themselves in prison can be a huge wake-up call for some meth users. Ms Gillies says that makes it a good time to capture a feeling that they might want to change and offer help with meth addiction. A new meth-specific drug treatment scheme is being piloted there. If they're wanting to engage in meth and me, so that's only a short-term program. Yeah, so how long does it go? It's two days. So two two-hour sessions, so four hours total. And the reason it's so short is because we have such a quick turnover of our prisoners. So it's a 21-month pilot, so we're about six months into the pilot. So what it's about, it's essentially giving people a bit more information about other options that they can take, but it's also the first step around motivating people to engage in programs. The program is run by the drug treatment service Odyssey. Michelle Coyne is one of a team of four advanced practitioners who works with prisoners there. If they're referred to us, what we do is we place them on a list and then we go down and we do the screen on them. And that basically looks at their alcohol and drug use over the last three months. And if they have a score for methamphetamine, regardless of what that score is from one to the maximum, we invite them to our group, which is Meth and Me. And then what we're doing in that is it's a psychoeducational group and we're discussing things like how methamphetamine is affecting them in terms of their brain pathways and the chemicals and how that reacts in their body and their brain. And we're discussing things with them like coping strategies and how they can manage. And we're also looking at holistically as well in terms of their relationships and how that's being affected and and those kind of things and working towards getting them to a place where they're looking at things differently if nothing else. Five months into the programme, more than 500 people have been seen so far. Mount Eden's Karen Gillies says the Meth and Me programme is about planting a seed with the hope of growing a desire to get clean. But she says it's also about gathering the much-needed information specific to meth. Corrections itself want to find out more around what get more stats around what our meth use is of our presence, so specifically around meth, so that then we can look at what do we need to bring in in order to address that. The $21 million pilot has been paid for by the proceeds of Crime Fund. Correction says its other drug and alcohol treatment programmes cost about $6.6 million a year. And workers on the ground delivering those programmes say meth dominates. Joanne Ellis is the clinical manager at Parimorimo's drug treatment unit. So with the, the, our meth users, um, we have noticed an increase in the people that we do see. Um, I've been there six and a half years and sort of when I first started there, it was a whole range of drugs. Um, however, now alcohol is reduced by the people that we see. Cannabis seems to be a little bit less, but methamphetamine is the main drug use of choice. And keeping the drug out of prison so those doing rehab have a fighting chance is a major battle. This inmate who's doing the 12-week programme says there isn't any meth on the drug unit, but elsewhere in the prison, if people want it, they can get it. People smuggle it in, screws bring it in, um, boosting it. That's where or some of them will tuck it under their sacks. Some people will cheek it in the arse cheeks. Yeah. I'm Teresa Cowie and you're listening to an RNZ Insight programme exploring the strain methamphetamine is putting on New Zealand's prison service. At remand prisons like Mount Eden, offenders tend to make multiple moves between police, courts and the Department of Corrections and occasionally psychiatric facilities. 
a line of visitors coming through our main entry point at the moment and they get screened by the drug dog. Regular contact from people from outside can give them more opportunities to try and get meth inside prison, either for personal use or as a currency to win favour, pay off bribes or see off threats of violence. My name's David Harrison. I'm a drug dog handler at Mount Eden Corrections Facility. Ollie, come on, boy. So this is um, Ollie. Ollie's a four-year-old Labrador retriever, and he's a narcotic detector dog. Searches are conducted at entry points and inside the prison at random, or when intelligence is gathered that there could be meth or other deals going on inside. He says meth can be easier to conceal than other drugs because it's usually in very small quantities and has less odour than the likes of cannabis or alcohol. But he says Ollie will usually sniff it out and sometimes just takes a bit longer to find where it's hidden. Some of them think they're smart, but they're really the, they're not. The meth seems to be quite consistently the way it comes through. It'll be very rudimentally wrapped up in glad wrap or, and then with... Um, with uh, electrical tape around it and might be hidden in the mouth. Women have a bun in their hair or something, they might just tuck it in their, in their bun. The classic um, hair one might be um, tucking in, in a brass strap under the armpit, so when people come in for a cuddle, they might just grab it from the side under the arm. Um, shoes are another classic. And Mr Harrison has found over the years there's no standard profile of what kind of person might be using or carrying meth. And the great thing about the drug dog is that... Um, he doesn't judge, you know. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't know who you are. All he's there for is his game. We, we've busted, um, unfortunately, members of the clergy. We've, um, we've, we have, unfortunately, in the past, not myself particularly, but we've, we have had some, some staff members. Uh, we have, obviously, a lot of visitors that come through. David Harrison says meth is everywhere, and anyone is capable of trying to bring it in. And it's not just the addicts themselves who want to get hold of it. Corrections' Chief Custodial Officer Neil Beale says the pressure on family and friends to smuggle the drug in to protect their loved ones from threats of violence is immense. And he says it's adding to the pressure meth is putting on the prison service. These are people who um, may, may not have necessarily woken up that morning intending on breaking the law, but are suddenly getting a gang member knocking on the door saying, you need to get this parcel into that prison on your next visit. You know? And so the pressure it's putting on family and friends and whanau outside to support somebody inside who's got a meth habit or somebody on the inside who is maybe um, uh, being threatened or pressured by gangs to bring things in. So... So you can see then how this, this, this issue around meth starts to, to really kind of escalate outwards and, and to draw people in from, you know, from other parts of the community who, who may not necessarily be meth users themselves, but they're now snared up in that world. David Harrison and his drug dog Ollie regularly sees meth from family members who are bringing it in under duress. The prisoner inside might have issues or he might owe money or he might be indebted to somebody for something and the way to pay that off is to have their visitor bring something in and a lot of the times visitors when they get caught it's, it's a relief for them because they know that they, they may get arrested depending on what the police want to do in terms of their follow up but they definitely know that they will be prohibited from coming back and that takes the pressure off. Corrections data shows that drug seizures at entry points in prison car parks and inside jail has more than doubled over the past five years, from 591 to 960. 
when it enters our prison system, the problems that it causes are vast, they escalate rapidly, and they can be extremely dangerous for all concerned, staff, prisoners, visitors, uh, the wider public. The destruction caused by meth can also wear down staff. 4.30 now, we're um, managing the prisoners onto their landing and um, getting ready for lock-up. Uh, this senior officer at Parimoremo was surprised to find how much he struggled when a meth-addicted inmate, who appeared to be turning his life around, relapsed and suddenly died. We helped them a lot through our programme, uh, and he actually relapsed uh, on methamphetamine, and that was very difficult for us all. got to know this guy, and we got to know his partner and child, and he'd been in for nine years. Uh, and it, it was very hard on us, and that was directly attributable to methamphetamine and the fact that he'd been clean for so long and relapsed. Uh, you know, was not good. Not, but I still uh, can't really talk about it that much. The officer said there was help available for staff struggling to cope with work stress, but he hadn't taken it up. With cheap meth on the streets landing more people in prison, many I spoke with questioned whether jail was the right place for people to get off it. For Anna, an inmate at Auckland Women's Prison, it's been the only thing to stop her. It was a big wake-up call, and I think I would have liked to have been slammed like this a bit earlier in life. It would have made me wake up a, bit, a lot sooner. Um, I'd always gotten like community-based sentences, um, and I, but I continued to use, so there was no real, I didn't really realise. But when I was facing, like, like, my starting point was five years. So when I was looking at that, it was just a massive wake-up call. Meth user Lindsay has been in jail seven times, and he reckons it's the worst place to try and get off the drug. Yeah, there's more drugs in jail than on the outside, if you get in the right unit. That's all people talk about in jail is getting out and committing crime, how to do it properly next time. Um, yeah... They don't really change in jail. It's not a very good place for you to um, start your recovery. Just all the negative talk going on, all the gangs. Chief Custodial Officer Neil Beals says when someone's addiction leads them to prison, there's not a lot of choice in the matter. It sounds odd, I know, but some prisoners have said to me in the past, I'm glad I came to prison, it gave me a chance to get off whatever it was, whether that was meth, um, heroin, alcohol or, or whatever. Is it the best place? No, I would prefer them not to get involved with meth to begin with and seek help if they do get involved, you know, help um, more, be more readily available out in the community and for us to look at this as a, it's an illness. But the fact of the matter is, is that, um, you know, by virtue of coming to prison, they have breached the law and they're being held to account by, by the courts and, and there's a price to pay for that. So uh, what we can't do is say, well, we've got you for the next two years, four years, six years, whatever that may be, um, you're going to have to wait until we get out, until you get out for the help. Um, it may not be the best place uh, to receive help, uh, but while they're there, we've got a responsibility to make sure that we do our best to help them. Neil Beals says while the pervasiveness of the meth epidemic is obvious to those who work inside, Corrections is trying to get a better understanding of exactly how much it's costing the prison service. He says the meth problem isn't going to go away and prisons may need more funding to deal with the growing pressures it brings. That award-winning programme was written and presented by Insights reporter Teresa Cowie. 
Insight was also named as the best weekly factual program in the 2019 Radio Awards and won a bronze medal at the New York Radio Awards. So, if you'd like to load up with some award-winning listening, find Insight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe and give us a rating. Or you can find us on the Insight page of the RNZ website. Next week, we'll be asking if volunteering can survive. I'm Philippa Tolley, and that's all from Insight for today. Lovely to have you listening. Ka kite anō.